shit, motherfucker. Damn it. Have I been fucking recording this whole time? Okay, I was recording for about 20 fucking minutes before I realized that my mic wasn't fucking recording. So, these last few weeks, um, I've been talking about a lot of feelings, a lot of emotional shit that I had been sorting through. That's the thing, is that it's so easy for me to have these solo conversations because I'm having like weekly emotional turmoil over fucking something. And it, it happens most weeks, honestly. But uh, these last couple weeks, I haven't had a whole lot, which has been nice. So I'm going to take a break from hashing out feelings and I'm going to tell you a fucking story. It's story time. My name is Adrienne and I'm a lonely clam. And if you stick around, you'll hear my friend slam. It's time to talk about being a woman. And just what it's like to be a human millennial in general. Enjoy. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but during that four-year period that I know I've talked about where I've lost my mind, a major part of that was because I was dancing. I was an exotic dancer. I don't like calling myself a stripper. I don't like calling other dancers that dance strippers. It just sounds... I just don't fucking like it, so... I was a dancer for about four years. There's a lot of fucking stories I can tell from that time and I'm probably gonna sprinkle them in. It'd be cool if I could get like a, other dancers to come on and tell stories that have happened with them and like maybe make a little, I don't know, clam chow down segment out of it. So if that's something you're interested in and you're a dancer, fucking reach out. Um, and we can get together and we can do that because the things that happen in the industry and the things that happen to dancers regularly are fucking unreal. Like sometimes it's just like, it doesn't even sound like real fucking life. So, um, yeah, I'm going to tell one of those fucking stories today. A bit of a trigger warning. I'm going to tell this story in its entirety and it involves a little bit of drug addiction stuff. I was, so I was about 23 years old. I was living in a studio apartment by myself. It was literally one bedroom. I would always make this joke about like, oh, like I'm literally shitting in my living room <laughs> because my bathroom was connected to the whole space, basically. My brother was wanting to come stay with me, but during this week that he wanted to come stay with me, I had plans to go to Houston. I had plans to go to Houston because of this girl that I danced with. I'm going to call her Ruby. She had gone to Houston a lot and had danced at multiple clubs there and has made a lot of money there. I was looking to make quick money. I was like, I'm going to go to fucking Houston by myself and I'm going to shake ass. I'm going to try and make money. So that was cool until my brother told me that he wanted to come stay with me. Um, he was withdrawing from heroin at the time and he... He didn't want to be in where he was staying at. He felt safer in my house, and I wanted him to feel safe. But I couldn't get out of going to my Houston trip because the tickets were non-refundable. I even tried being like, hey, man, like, my grandma died. They're like, well, present a birth certificate. And I was like, shit, I'm fucking lying. So I obviously can't do that. So I had to go. But I asked my neighbors from across the hallway to help kind of keep an eye on my brother and to watch him and to also get him some methadone. So I gave them about like 150 bucks and they were like all down. Like I, I trusted them at this point. Just a little backstory about who these guys were. One of them was about 35. The other was a couple years younger. They're brothers. The oldest one was a doctor. We're going to call him Chad. And he was very Jesus-y. Very Jesus freak, but also like, which I was just so young and naive, but he was very with it when it came to like drug stuff. 
So I should have recognized that as a red flag there, but maybe I just figured it was because of his experience in being doing doctory fucking shit. I don't know. So, um, at this point we were friends, I trusted them and I was like, Hey, like come take care of my brother. You can have all the booze in the fucking freezer that you want. You can smoke all the weed you want. I don't fucking care. Just make sure he's taken care of, make sure he's cool. And please get, they said that they knew somebody that had methadone. Um, I leave to go to Houston and, um, I'm about to get on the plane. I FaceTime them and they're all smoking and they're just like kind of partying with my brother and shit. And I'm like, Hey, like are you going to go get the methadone, methadone today? Like you said you would. And they're like, yeah, 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 I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm like, okay, cool. So, um, the plane lands and I call them again and I'm like, Hey, and, and this is just kind of like a little side story along with the events that actually happened when I tried to dance in Houston. Whenever the plane landed, I called him on FaceTime, asked if they got the methadone for my brother. And he started giving me the runaround right away. And he was like, oh, uh, like I, I, he couldn't meet up because of this and that, but I got him. I got you tomorrow. I got you tomorrow. I'm going to get it tomorrow. I get promise I'm going to get it tomorrow. I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to contact you tomorrow and make sure that that's the case. So the next day comes and this is the day that I decide to go to the club for the first time. And I don't know why I decided to go during the daytime. It might've been because my mom knew a dancer that worked there and maybe she worked during the, the daytime and maybe that's why I felt comfortable doing that but everybody in the industry knows that I'm sorry this is offensive but only ugly girls work the day shift and girls that sell pussy they sell pussy because they're that's all they got going on I mean I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna say it. what it is what it fucking is it is what it is but everybody in the industry fucking knows that so I think the only reason that I was trying to work the day shift was there I don't know if I was fearful of working there at night maybe I was intimidated of doing that um, I don't really remember why I wanted to work the day shift, but I ended up staying into the night shift as well. So anyway, so I go to the club and I tell the, I don't know, the manager, hey, I'm just trying to dance. I'm in town. What's up? <laughs> and he gives me this thick ass fucking packet to like sign and read. And there was so, I wish I still had my fucking Snapchat because I took a video of it. But at the top, there was a quote something about embodying the whole whore and how pimps are basically our masters. <laughs> I, I wish I could remember exactly what it was, but then riddled throughout this packet is like rules and it's like, hey, this is an example of thievery. Whenever you owe someone money and you don't give it to them, basically outlining like pimp shit. <laughs> And I noticed this right away and I, cause I put it on my Snapchat story. Like I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is weird, but I'm going to stay. I'm going to see what's up and I'm going to work here anyways. Um, what else was kind of funny about this club is that, so normally, um, clubs have house moms. This club had a house dad and he was a very hot trans house dad. <laughs> I'll get back to him in a minute. I signed the paperwork and I do remember the managers kind of side-eyeing me like very much like can we trust this bitch what's this girl on I don't know I just remember there was some sneaky like very sneaky vibes so I get I dress out and I'm trying to shake ass trying to work and the club is very slow I do see some girls like taking some guys back to the VIP in and out and I did get a few dances but they was, there was no repeat guys. And I, it was also very hard for me to get a dance from anyone, period. So eventually, I sit next to this other guy. 
I, I started talking to him and he seemed around my, I was 23, so he didn't seem much older than me. And I don't remember how the conversation started, but I remember him specifically saying, hey, you know that you're in a spider web of pimps right now. And I was like, what? And he was like, he's pointing to all these different guys around the room. He's like, that guy's a pimp, that guy's a pimp, that guy's a pimp, that guy's a pimp. Until eventually he literally pointed at almost everyone. I was like, fuck, man. And then it hit me. Ruby, she, I knew that she sold pussy. Yet it didn't, I didn't put two and two together that she was coming here to do that. And that's why she made so much fucking money. So I was like, fuck, did I leave? Absolutely not. <laughs> he continues to talk to me about the culture here. And he tells me that I have a lot of potential. <laughs> and he was like, I could take care of you, girl. Like I could take care of you, girl. Like I've taken in so many girls. Like I have this one pregnant bitch and she got fucking the shit beat out of her by her pimp. But I treat my girls nice. Like I gave her a little closet to sleep in. That's literally what he fucking says to me. That's literally what he says to me. And this is like supposed to be a selling point. You know, I wish I could say that I was wigged out, but honestly, I was very curious and very fascinated uh, when he was talking to me about this. It just didn't seem real. So he gets up and I notice that he has a limp as he's walking. Like he's like, hey, like, let's go get a drink. And I turn to him and he's like, well, I, let me go run out to my car really quick. And I was like, why? You got to go get your pimp cane. <laughs> and he, I mean, straight faced. That was the end of the conversation. He was not fucking with me anymore. And just as a little image, this was a 26-year-old little white boy, okay? Like, whenever I'm thinking of a pimp, I think of, like, I don't know, like, usually, like, a big guy, like, all white, like, fucking rings or whatever, looking fresh as fuck. No. This guy was not that. He was raggedy AF. But the other guys that I did talk to there, which he, they also continued to be like, hey man, like people sell pussy here. That's what's going on here. And okay, first of all, like if I was going to do that, I don't need a fucking guy to regulate. Okay. I can sell my own pussy. I can get my own fucking clientele. Not that that's something that I should brag about or like be, uh, I don't know, offended by, but it's just so interesting that that's even a thing. And I hope that that's not offensive by me talking about it, but it was just... I don't know, that whole concept is just really interesting to me. And I actually wrote about it in my journal because I was trying to like refresh like the details. And one guy told me, fuck, what did he say? Oh, um, he just told me that I, I had, again, that I also had a lot of, he didn't say potential like the other fucking jackass, but he said that I just needed proper instruction. Um, how much instruction do you need to pop your pussy? Like I don't fucking, anyone can, anyways. <laughs> I don't know what he meant by that, but I do, I did, I don't know. I wrote down that he fucking said that to me. So uh, the whole day passes. I'm like, I'm not making money. So guess I'm staying into the night shift. I stay into the night shift and I go back and into like the dressing area. And the house dad says, yo bitch, you need to change your outfit. You look like fucking Christmas <laughs> because I was wearing like red sequins top, red sequins bottoms and Oh, it was tacky as fuck and like red knee highs. I mean, maybe that's why I didn't make a lot of money. I don't fucking know. But they're like also in the evening, everybody has to wear like a slutty little dress. So I only made about, I think I made maybe a hundred bucks. But the dress that I had to buy to work there that night was an $80 Chanel dress. 
So I ended up working a 12-hour shift, leaving with a tacky little dress that you can only wear if you're dancing, basically, and $12. I think I said, so whatever, $92, whatever. But honestly, working in a club where everybody's selling pussy, making a little over 80 bucks is not, that's almost impressive. (laughs) Not to suck my own dick or anything, but that's almost impressive. So um, the night shift happens and I buy that dress and I'm real pissed off about it. And I didn't make any money that night. No dances at all. I actually had a lot more luck on the day shift and maybe it's because I was the ugly new girl. (laughs) I don't know. But I do remember as it started inching towards closing, I felt this urgency. This, I, that's when it started to hit me that, hey, I'm actually in kind of a dangerous situation right now. I realized I was in a situation that I was not prepared to be in and I started to feel this panic and like this like, hey bitch, you need to get the fuck out of there. While I was there, I was on POF. <laughs> and before I had gotten to this club that day, I had been like messaging other dudes trying to be like, hey, what's up? Like, let's hang out, like whatever. I obviously did not give a fuck about my fucking safety, okay? I did not make any <laughs> smart decisions for nothing. So um, I did meet this one guy and he was a total pothead hippie guy. He seemed really cool. He seemed safe. And so I told, I texted him and I was like, hey, like I'm in this really sketchy situation and I need you to come pick me up from this place. <laughs> and he's like, cool, bet, got it. So I remember just, it was like the time it was getting close. It was only minutes until closing until, and then this guy finally showed up and um, I run out of the club and there's like a busy fucking intersection and he like pops his door open and I'm like running across and I dive into his car and I was just like man like and it's funny because when I was reading about it I felt like I was being a pussy I felt like I was being a pussy for caring about my safety so I wrote that I was just like I'm such a fucking pussy I'm such a fucking pussy like I couldn't make it I couldn't stay I couldn't fucking do what I needed to do to make money Eh." like I just couldn't fucking do it and he's like yeah yo 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 chill 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 and he was like here's a beer, here's a dab pen. (laughs) And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. So I'm like, like, yeah, like I'm just, needless to say, that guy saved the day, one. Two, I did not go back there. In fact, I didn't go back to work there at all. It was a fucking waste of time and it was a waste of money. And since then, I carry a lot of guilt for going because I left my fucking brother and in the care that I did, and I'm gonna get back to that in a second, but little side note, yeah, so I tell my mom that this, what happened, and her response was, oh yeah, like my friend so-and-so, she's a hooker. Bitch, what? God damn you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so like, it, it's just like, I mean, there's a little, I don't know, side note character of my mom, like you know that your daughter is going to go do this at somewhere where you know someone that's hooking, my mom doesn't give a shit. I don't know. So that that kind of sucked. So that crazy shit happened. I contact Chad. I'm like, hey, so did you, how's everything going on with my brother? Uh, did you guys get the methadone? And they're like, oh, man, like I had so all this shit, like my car got stolen and, and all this. I he This huge elaborate lie. Okay, like I, I don't... I, I 
factually, I don't know if it was a lie, but I'm pretty sure it was a fucking lie. Like, they at least, like, even if that did happen, they never intended on getting that shit. They actually ended up stealing my money, not getting my brother the things that he needed, and Isaiah suffered through his withdrawals without anything. So, um, yeah, I wasn't fucking with those guys again, okay? Like, I was not, like, the complete betrayal. And whenever I talk more about my brother and um, my grief around our relationship after he passed, I'm going to talk about those neighbors again. But what's interesting, and I'm just going to, I'll point this out now. So Chad and his brother, I did not know it, but they were also heroin addicts. And they didn't just do heroin. They did all sorts of different things, but they were also addicts, so of course they robbed me. And Chad ended up getting fired from his job eventually because he was caught stealing shit and shooting up in the bathroom. Yeah, so there's my little dancer tale for you for the day. So I don't know. If, so like I said earlier, um, I think I said this earlier, if you're a dancer and you're hearing this and you have stories you want to tell, please fucking reach out. We'll fucking talk about that shit. I think it would be kind of cool to have like a dancer segment. Because like I said, there's just crazy unreal shit that happens. And um, it's it's its own, the sex industry is really their own little community. And it's a lifestyle. It's not something I could get with. Um, I Like I said, I lost my fucking mind. It's not something I could do sober. And I do have my own personal views and opinions around working in the industry. And I'll talk about that in another episode. So I, just, I don't want you to think it's something I'm advocating for. Especially if you are prone to addiction. And if you have an addiction to chaos and... If you have low self-esteem and if you can't spot danger or red flags, definitely not the job for you. <laughs> and especially if you, it's not something that you can do sober and most girls can't. So that's all I'm going to say about that. And also, um, I have an Instagram at ClamSlamPod and a TikTok now. It's at the ClamSlamPod if you guys want to like or follow. Like, share, subscribe to the podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, please share it. Please interact with this shit. I will see you guys next week.